thank you for joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman coming to you from Atlanta in June of 2020. Today we're talking about racial equity issues and how they intersect with environmental issues and what the organization Georgia Conservation Voters is doing to build an inclusive environmental movement, a diverse and engaged electorate, and elected leaders that represent the interests and well-being of everyone in Georgia. The nonprofit Georgia Conservation Voters has a mission to transform Georgia's political landscape by electing leaders with conservation values and holding them accountable to implementing policies that ensure clean water and air, abundant wildlife, scenic landscapes, and economic opportunities for all Georgians. Their website is gcvoters.org. Our guest today is Briante McCorkle, the Executive Director of Georgia Conservation Voters. She's spent her career training activists, advancing equity and inclusion in the environmental movement, and organizing grassroots voters. She formerly served as the Director of Engagement at Eco Districts, and before that as the Assistant Director at the Georgia Sierra Club. She's a graduate of Georgia State University, and I know that because she was one of my star students back in the day in my class communicating environmental issues, where she led a team whose campaign was promoting the adoption of a student green fee, which I'm happy to report GSU did adopt shortly thereafter, and it funds sustainability projects on campus. And I'm really proud to keep witnessing Briante's leadership in Georgia's environmental movement over the last eight years or so. So welcome, Briante. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm a to be here and I still smile every time I think about the work that we did at DCV. It's cool to see a lasting impact. Um, so yeah. yeah. Well I thought we'd have you start off by also just telling us about some uh, an achievement or two that you've been most proud of so far in your environmental work in Georgia. Yeah so I, I think that the things that I'm most proud of is the work that I um, have been a part of uh, with expanding transit in the metro Atlanta area. Right. So in uh, 2014, I helped the Sierra Club, I helped lead the Sierra Club's effort to organize in Clayton County leading up to the Martyr referendum to expand the transit system there. Um, and so that was a successful campaign. Uh, took, took about a year and a half of like wow. being community with people talking about the issues, you know, uh, meeting people where they're at. And, um, but it was ultimately successful. And that actually is one of the highest ridership routes in the entire uh, MARTA system. So, you know, it was wow. something that I really needed. And it was my first time really understanding what transformational community driven change looks like. Um, so that was uh, my, my proudest accomplishment. And since then, um, Atlanta's had a lot of success, I think, investing in transit and getting dollars where there weren't, weren't before. I, I think people Good. think that we need more, but yeah. we have more than we did when I started with Clayton. And then in 2016, there was the additional MARTA expansion referendum, which I worked on, um, that will get us a lot of great projects uh, in Atlanta. So we still have ways to go on transit, but I want to say that's where I've seen um, the biggest impact in um, people's lives and on climate in my work. That's great. Well, Briante, to set the serious context for today's discussion, we're in a global pandemic that is disproportionately harming and killing Black people in the United States. 
And we also, at the same time, see a groundswell of protests against the racial disparities in policing that are disproportionately harming and killing Black people in the U.S. How do you see these two current racial justice issues as relating to the work you do at conservation, Georgia conservation voters? Yeah, so this is something that I spend a lot of time <clears throat> thinking about and reading about. Um, you know, when I started in the environmental movement, I was very much worried about uh, climate change um, and just environmental pollution. It's something that was really clear uh, through my education. It was a problem we needed to solve. And then um, as I got older and, you know, started organizing on these issues, it became super clear that, you know, when we're talking about the felt impacts of environmental pollution, um, from power plants, from, you know, factory operations, from all sorts of things. That's felt in communities of color. It's felt by Black people, um, primarily, um, especially in places like here in Georgia. And we've got, um, you know, Latino communities and Asian communities that are more likely to be on the front lines of um, these environmental justice harms, um, but it's 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 very egregious and very measurable in the uh, black population, and um, so that was something that I just could not you know not speak up about. You know, it is yeah. something that every issue that came up. You know, what you had was consistently black folks getting the short end of the stick um, when it came to environment. Um, and then as I started learning about climate and the impacts of climate change, drought, heat, uh, floods, et cetera, once again, black folks were on the front line. And so, you know, when we're talking about coronavirus and we're talking about police violence, you know, I, I think it's important that people understand that this is a layering of issues. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't, um, them apart it is a it's a burden that has just been added on to this community of people which you know i i belong to i'm an african-american woman i've had friends family members um you know feel the impacts of of these systems yeah. against them and um you know what's frustrating to me is the amount of evidence that we have showing that this is happening, showing that the systemic racism, this, the system is producing these race, racist outcomes over and over again um, in all of these areas. It's, and, 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 I, and when I say examples, I'll just use the most recent one here. Um, we're talking about coronavirus, and one of the things is <sighs> Albany, Georgia, right. in um, South Georgia has emerged as an epicenter of this pandemic. Um, and that community is mostly black. It is mostly a black community. I've got lots of friends, lots of colleagues I went to school with at Georgia oh. State from Albany, um, who I, you know, who are very connected with community. And and so, you know, when we're looking at what is making coronavirus so bad, like we we've learned that air pollution actually exacerbates coronavirus. It increases um, if you're in an area with high Air pollution, you have an increased incidence of fatality from coronavirus. These are correlations. And so, you know, even in the midst of all this evidence coming out that air pollution was exacerbating coronavirus, um, in Albany, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission made a decision to allow the Sable Trail natural gas compressor to start operating, putting out more pollution in the air in the midst of a crisis. And that actually happened on Earth Day. And so, oh, you know, 
these 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 systems again at work just in Albany and to go deeper into Albany because I really um, you know we're going to focus a lot of energy in this community they were already dealing with high utility bills they were already burdened by some of the highest costs for energy in the state um, energy and water and they've got lots of issues older housing stock being you know part of it and some of the things that they could use are more dollars for energy efficiency they could benefit from solar they could benefit from home weatherization um, but the utilities are not responding to the community's needs and they are very they're suffering economically because of it so you know I think it's important to talk about you know the energy story there because we know that even outside of Albany across the state of Georgia there's abundant polling data that shows that people of color are very very supportive of clean energy they're very very supportive of of climate action they want to see these systems change because they're feeling these systems intuitively right. they understand that we need a new system um, but in order to get that system we need laws to change and it's the same thing with police violence and police brutality right that you know we in order to change that we need laws to change and in order to change laws you need elected officials that are willing to do the right thing. Um, and so Georgia Conservation Voters is very much interested in working with communities, helping connect the dots with these issues. Um, we're thinking about ways forward, ways that communities can get relief now, but also keeping our eyes on the long-term you know, ball, which is you know, getting better representation and holding them accountable to addressing climate and you know undoing the system of racism that we we have today so <laughs> yeah that i think you really encapsulated the notion of environmental injustice when people hear that term for the extra burden that's placed on poor people um, and oftentimes communities of color um, and is there are there some policies that you see for whether it's in Albany or another um, like health disparities that we're seeing from pollution in our state where they're trying to address it with like by acknowledging the racial component and not just talking as a blanket rule like, oh, yeah, let's improve air quality, but actually say, no, in this particular neighborhood, these people are near. Um, like a coal ash plant or something like that and we need to make sure that we don't have racial disparities in our health system you know like with is are there some policies that are particularly um trying to eradicate the racial disparities that we see yeah you know i think it's uh one of the things that i have to say is that i've been really excited about putting together a policy book um, at GCV, just yeah. a, a set a roadmap. Um, I studied public policy, so I get very right. nervous about the future that we can design um, through policy and through law. Um, I think uh, the challenge is that, you know, racism and, and environmental pollution, the way that it, it plays out is just so broad. It covers so many different areas and so many different laws. Right, like we've yeah. got a lot of work to do. Um, I, and even, I think the challenge is that we call for very, um, you know, broad things sometimes, like 100% clean energy or net yeah. zero net mints. 
um, because what we're asking for is a serious conversation and a serious discussion about policy. But it's like, we're not even there, right? We can't even talk about what, if we, what, what that looks like practically for our state, right? What set of policies could we have? What investments or incentives could we have? Like that has to be negotiated during legislation, like led the yeah. legislative process at the Capitol, at the city halls and county commissions. Cause let's not forget that this can happen locally too. Change can yeah. happen in your city and your county. But it all requires, again, elected officials willing to have that discussion seriously and to and to work it out and make it make it specific to their city. Right. There are lots of examples of things that can be done that other states are doing. You know, I hate to, to call um, out Governor Jay Inslee and he had the evergreen plan um, that he put together. Wonderful set of policies. Right. Yeah. That could be adopted. But, um, you know, it's if we don't have elected officials who are willing to pick those things up and to have that discussion seriously and they are claiming that the reason why they're not doing it is because they're not hearing enough from constituents mm -hmm. but we have polling data that shows that constituents want to see the stuff done you know that that's it's a broken cycle of accountability so i don't mean to dodge the question yeah, about no, right i like your answer that like well we can't have um policies that specifically aim to eradicate these uh racial disparities unless we have politicians who are nuanced in understanding that and willing to do that. Now, if you're just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature, and I'm host Carrie Freeman, interviewing Briante McCorkle, the Executive Director of Georgia Conservation Voters. Their website is gcvoters.org. Um, well, and Briante, you have a section on the gcvoters.org website called Democracy for All, and it says, we believe in changing Georgia from the ground up, that's why we're committed to training and mobilizing Georgians to advance climate and environmental justice through civic engagement. Um, I think that partners well with what you were just saying, like tell us about your civic engagement work. Is that about getting people uh, registered to vote and, and out on election day? Yeah, so yeah, we, one of the things that also, you know, I should point out is that, um, we've got to get people to to the polls right they've got to vote for leadership that is going to do the right thing and prioritize these issues and act swiftly on these issues but um you know that doesn't happen if people aren't voting um and so or if they can't vote they're trying to vote and they have trouble navigating georgia's um election process um so you know, we have this Democracy for All initiative to focus on the fact that we've got all of these people who are in support of, of environment. They are younger, they are people of color, they are more diverse, and they are starting to come out and vote in elections in record numbers. That's been the trend so far, mm -hmm. and hopefully it keeps up in 2020. And as they're coming to the polls, you know, they're having trouble just sort of navigating the basics of like how to be um, you know, a, a, a voter, like how to be a great voter uh, mm -hmm. at the polls. You know, I have a friend who, you know, every election cycle, I'm like, hey, these are the election dates, right? So barrier one is like knowing where the election dates are, knowing where to find that information, putting that on your calendar, like, and then she's like, well, what's on the ballot? So I have to tell her what's on the ballot. Then there's this question of what do these positions do? Um, 
there's a good example of with the Georgia Public Service Commission. Um, so we've got two Georgia Public Service Commissioners up for re-election this year. Um, in November, uh, they've got candidates running against them. And so those particular races actually have such, excuse me, those positions have such a big impact on energy policy in the state right. because they regulate Georgia Power which is our monopoly, our energy monopoly. Um, so, you know, that, that utility um, needs accountability. It needs oversight. And what we've had are public service commissioners who are not really pushing Georgia Power to make clean energy investments. They're allowing Georgia Power to build a nuclear plant and charging everyone for it in advance, yeah. despite cost overruns that profit the company shareholders at the expense of ratepayers, right? Mm. Like, this, these are decisions that have been made under our current public service commission. And so if you have all these voters, 70% of Georgians, regardless of party affiliation, want to see action on clean energy. Right. So why is the public service commission so out of line with what people want? And I can tell you, people aren't happy about being charged. <laughs> so yeah, that's right. For so go right. That's right. Um, Even in the midst of this crisis, you know, the Public Service Commission has just uh, voted to allow Georgia Power to resume utility shutoffs. So people are still hurting from being out of work for so long. And now they're saying, okay, we can resume cutting people's energy off. Oh, right. As, when it's getting so hot in, a, <laughs> in Georgia, we, people need air conditioning. Exactly. And yeah. so, you know, that Public Service Commission is one of many positions that we want to make sure people know about, especially if you're an environmental voter and you're trying to see progress. Well, hey, you need to vote for your Public Service Commissioner. So we help people understand that. And um, then, you know, as the year goes on, there's a lot of decisions that they make. And I'm going to stay, stick with the Public Service Commission because they're a really good example they have all these processes and all of these votes where they're, um, you know, for example, this in 2019, they worked on their long range energy plan, which is basically Georgia Power saying what energy sources they're gonna invest in for the next 20 years. And so the Public Service Commission has to approve that, but people can weigh in, people can right. comment, people can call their elected officials, they can put pressure on them to deliver on this issue. Um, and so also they had a rate case and they were debating whether or not to raise people's bills. And I know people didn't want their bills raised, but the amount of people that knew about that and were involved was very low, right? So um, we tried to organize, we got people's voices heard to the extent we could, but you know, there's a lot more. Right, that's why you always need uh, groups like Georgia Conservation Voters and the environmental movement to help bring this attention so that we can mobilize on these issues that otherwise most of us are just not, it's not on our radar. Now we only have like a minute or so left, but I wanted to just say that I noticed on your website for Georgia Conservation Voters that you have a racially diverse staff of people working with you. Tell us about why the involvement of people of color is so vital to bring to the environmental movement. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, if you don't have people who um, 
I guess let me just step, take a step back. We all have different lived experiences, right? Yeah. You, me, my daughter's going to have a different experience than I did. Um, and those experiences are colored by um, the identities that we carry as women, as um, non-gender conforming people, as LGBTQ people, as white folks, as black folks, like all of these identities that are visible, you know, cause us to experience the world differently, right? How people treat us, the things we, choose, we can engage in, how we engage in them. And so that type of experience brings a lot of wisdom, right? right? You can engage a lot more people when you're hearing and considering a lot more voices in your planning and in your execution. And so we want to make sure that we are truly you know, considering the voices of all people impacted and that we have all of those voices represented when, or at least to some extent, right? Because no one identity is a monolith, but we have as many, as many voices as we can, which help us get smarter. There are things that I don't think about um, in terms of uh, being culturally responsive in our organizing um, that staff do. And so uh, I think there's a, a lot of evidence that like shows the value of having um, a diverse team and having people feel um, not just tokenized on that team, but included in their voices matter and decision making. And so that's the kind of culture we're building at GCB because it's, it's, it's important. It's going to help us be more effective in our work. And in the movement, the movement needs more of that. Um, the environmental movement has been white for a very long time, white visible. There's actually a study that showed that um, the, the, the perception of who's an environmentalist is highest for white people. So what people think white people are more often environmentalists, um, but the actual reality is that people of color are the most mm. environmental. So it's, I actually mm. have a pretty cool chart I'll share with you, but um, so yeah, like- the visibility, I like how you use that word. Who do we think of as the leaders and the people who are actually making change? And we might have a misconception of that. Right, so, yeah. so it's important for me as, as a, again, as a woman of color in the movement to, to be a visible leader and to bring people along with me in the movement. Um, and I think, again, we'll be more effective. We'll have more well thought out strategies and we'll have more, um, you know, solutions that are more equitable and really benefit everyone. So, and just for people as the last question for people to get involved is gcvoters.org the best way if they're interested in partnering with you at Georgia Conservation Voters? Yeah, absolutely. You can go on our website, you know, uh, sign up for our email list, or if you're a texter, you can text GCV to 52886. Um, and you can opt in that way. We don't send very many texts and we don't send very many emails. We try to keep the information as useful as possible so you can keep up with what's going on and take action when it's most effective. Yeah, because we all need to, I like the democracy for all program. We all need to know when the elections are and if we care about the environment, you know, we need a group like yours to help us understand how we can translate that kind of at the polls. So, well, that's the end of our show, but I want to thank you, Briante, for everything that you and your team at Georgia Conservation Voters are doing to bring a diversity of new voices into the political process to demand environmental responsibility and environmental justice in Georgia. It's really such important work. Well, thank you. And yeah. thanks for 
in me so so long ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I was so excited to see your name on something I got in the mail from Georgia Conservation Voters. And I was like, look at this, Briante McCorkle. I'm having her on my show. <laughs> That's great. Uh, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, online at wrfg.org and on Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. We post action items, news, and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com slash nature. The views and opinions expressed on the show do not necessarily reflect those of Radio Free Georgia. I'm host Carrie Freeman. Take care of yourself and others, including other species. And please support independent, non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. Thank you. <laughs>